Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Back to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket. It is a Friday. Congratulations, everybody. You've made it to the weekend. Probably just a few more hours of your work week. Or maybe you're off. Maybe you're off for the week uh, and getting ready for this Husker game against Ohio State. We're getting ready for it here, too, on Tom and Buck. DP in for Tom by welcoming in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Doing well. Oh, good to hear uh, you. Got the lawn mowed and raked for the last time this year. It's a great day. Man, can't complain. Yeah, that's always uh, that's always a good day. I, I still have a little bit to do as far as cleaning out my gutters, gutters, but I've uh, got some yard work done. It's been a good weekend uh, of weather. It looks like a good weekend of weather if you if you do that. But hopefully, you won't be doing that around twelve or or twelve thirty or one this weekend. I think some people might do it just to ease their their tension here as Nebraska big noon kickoff against Ohio State. Plenty of storylines uh, to run with you, there, Evan. Uh, the first one I did want to get to is Adrian Martinez, who's had, uh, of course struggled last week has struggled in the past against Ohio State um I mean can, <laughs> how much faith do you have that there could be a bounce back game against Ohio State or is he uh kind of lined up for a, another difficult day well I mean that's that's one of the big questions of the game I mean he for the most part has avoided with the noted exception of last week uh, those big turnover games, um, you know, he has had some critical ones. The Illinois game comes to mind, Michigan State. But uh, generally speaking, compared to his first three years, he's taken better care of the football. So that's a, a place to start. And, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be a big reason that, uh, you know, the, the game goes as it ends up going. Because I think as I've broken down the teams to me the defenses are not all that different nebraska's is a little bit older ohio state's is a little bit more talented but their production levels have been generally the same it's been man can can nebraska's offense even sort of keep up with ohio state's offense and it's bevy of five-star players and future nfl draft picks and you know if adrian martinez plays like the guy who went into the horseshoe in 2018 and ran the ball and, and threw it, uh, you know, without fear, then sure. I mean, anything is possible and his supporting cast, um, you know, is, is comparable. Maybe, maybe just as good as that 2018 group that, that went into Columbus and nearly pulled off the upset. But certainly if things don't go uh, that way, if the offense falls into that malaise that it did against Purdue, or if they fall into uh, more of a heavy turnover sort of situation, then yeah, this thing, could get ugly. Could could start to feel like 2017 or 2019 Ohio State, where uh, fans maybe don't want to stick around if things get out of hand early. Evan, in a different space, if we put an octagon at midfield and took Brutus and Herbie and put them in an <laughs> octagon, will we have a better shot of getting a win Saturday? <laughs> I mean, that's a fantastic question, DP. Uh, you know, I yeah, I think. 
a human being like Herbie could crack a nut like Brutus. <laughs> I mean, just the, the sheer physics of it yeah. would be fascinating. You know, one big hit and he's crunched. Whereas like just to spin Herbie's the head more of a, of, a, of a guy who would get bruised. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I'd be all about that mascot sort of situation. It kind of reminds me of those, uh, you know, the NCAA football games where you could play <laughs> the, the entire games as the mascots, a bunch of Herbies against a bunch of Brutuses. Um, you know, I suppose the nut would be harder to, to receive a blow from. I mean, if you're getting tackled by Brutus uh, and he's actually feeling like a nut, that's probably a little more painful. But yeah. uh, maybe that's the breakdown that Husker Nation needs and deserves today. I, I think so, because we've heard the rest of it and – it hasn't sounded good. <laughs> well, I, I, I did want to get that to you from Evan because you just wrote uh, an article, and don't, don't give it all away, but just a little bit of the nuts and bolts in here about uh, the talent, uh, the, the sizing up the talent between Nebraska and Ohio State. And you mentioned the defenses, but uh, what Nebraska fans are probably a little bit more worried about is that personnel Ohio State will bring with them on offense. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you're talking about former five stars on the line, former five-star receivers, Travion Henderson, freshman, who was the top running back in the country in the 2021 cycle. Uh, I mean, there's just a ton of talent. And, you know, what I found interesting um, and, and sort of the crux of that story, um, I mean, first of all, it, it kind of came up because of what Scott Frost said last week when he brought talent into the conversation, which was sort of a new development where a lot of the messaging had been, this is the most talented team that he's had here, so on and so forth. And, and he kind of brought that into question after the Purdue game. So I thought it would be interesting to really examine, okay, just how big is that gap? And it was interesting because generally speaking, the players that I asked about it uh, to this week said, yeah, it's really not that big. It's, it's pretty small in fact, and it's it more so comes down to execution and game plans and, and avoiding mistakes and, and things of that nature. Um, but when you look at the numbers, it's, you know, Ohio State's kind of having it on both ends. Their their recruiting classes have been top five for many years now. Nebraska, up until this year, has been right around the top 20, which is actually pretty impressive considering the results on the field. But then where you have to make up for that if you're Nebraska is on the development side. You have to, if you're not going to be a top five or top 10 type recruiting team, then you need to find those diamonds in the rough, develop them and then turn them out professionally. And Nebraska hasn't really done that all that well either over the course of time, whereas Ohio State's cranking out, you know, 10 draft picks every single year. I mean, they've had 19. I went back into the, the research. Ohio State's had 19 first-round NFL draft picks since Nebraska had its last one, which was Prince of Makamura back in 2011. So they're kind of getting beat on both ends of the thing. But, again, if you're a player and you're going into this thing, you have to say, look, you're not playing – Ohio State the brand or Ohio State the university, you're playing other dudes, other 11 guys on that other side, and they feel like if they can execute that, you know, they can they can hang the way that they did for a half in 2020, the way that they did in 2018, and, you know, it, maybe it turns out that way, but again, maybe it turns out the other way where Ohio State, I mean, you, we kind of have lumped them in with Iowa and Wisconsin in terms of those teams that Nebraska can't just can't beat, but unlike those other two schools, which I would say – Nebraska recruits at the same level as those two schools being with uh, Iowa and Wisconsin, Ohio state just simply has had superior personnel. And so how does that translate over into Saturday? It, it translates in a way that says, man, if you're Nebraska, the margin for error is real slim because they have some talent over there and, and can break a play at any moment. Evan, ha has this program determined or defined what development means? 
Like, how does it show up? How do you gauge that? Because that's been the bridge that people haven't crossed, which, ah, well, no matter how much talent you have, we haven't developed it. What does that mean? What should it look like? Well, I mean, I think it means however guys come in, they leave as as better or more finished products. So if you come in as a four or, you know, five-star type player, then you should be, you know, a fairly high NFL draft pick, generally speaking, or, or at least be in contention to make a professional roster down the road. If you, uh, you know, are a three-star type guy, can you, at the end of your career, be a key contributor? And I think, you know, if you if you look at the development kind of position by position at Nebraska, you can say there are positions that have developed guys well. I think tight end is one that comes to mind pretty quickly where guys who've been in the program three, four years, like Austin Allen, Travis Vokalek, I mean, those guys are going to get NFL looks, and they have improved noticeably since they've been here. I think, uh, you know, defensive back, and you know, uh, corners and safeties, the players that they have there have gotten better as they've been here, generally speaking. That was with players that they inherited. That's been with players that they've recruited, too. Um, you know, linebacker, I think, is another example. Uh, but there are other positions that, that hasn't been the case. I think offensive line is one that you can point out. Obviously, quarterback is one uh, with just, you know, Adrian Martinez is sort of that only example where uh, I think an argument could be made his best season was as a freshman. So I think that's a big part of it. If you're in Nebraska, you're not going to, because of its geography uh, and, and, uh, you know, a number of other reasons, you're not going to get those top five classes. But can you get a top 20 class, develop those guys into uh, positions where they're contributors at a, at a consistent, reliable, high level, then that's how you do it. And that's what coaches said this week. That's, that's the key for Nebraska succeeding. That's what they did in their heyday. I mean, they brought in great talent back then, but they developed it too into all Americans and guys who went on to the NFL. And so, uh, you know, again, if you bring in top 20 classes, but they sort of stay as they are and a year goes by and you turn your lonely eyes to the next class and hope they're the ones that save you, um, that's probably not a good sign in terms of helping guys improve while they're here um, and being more consistent contributors. Well, it's really interesting to, to you know, because obviously, I mean, the whole thing is interesting. Uh, there's going to have to be a decision made by year's end. And, and when you look at kind of that, that <clears throat> development and, and who's coming back and who's not, and the, what makes it really hard is you don't know about those super juniors. Are they going to leave or not? But what would you say would be some of the positions of strength um, for Scott Frost to say, hey, here's where, here's where we're really building. Please don't cut it off right here. We've got some positions on the come up. Yeah, I mean you're right, Buck. Like there's it's so hard to project because you just don't know who's going to come back. Like you could say defensive line could be really strong again next year, but hey, we don't know if Damian Daniels is going to go pro or um, you know, a guy like Jordan Riley or you can kind of De- uh, DeAndre Thomas uh, are all guys who are going to have decisions to make there. I do think they have depth at that position. That could be one um tight end like I mentioned and and uh the secondary, I think both of those positions are in good shape where they have guys who have decisions to make. Cam Taylor Britt, the corner, and Austin Allen at tight end. I mean, those guys could come back, and Nebraska would welcome them back with open arms, or they could move on, and they do have some young talent uh, that has, by all accounts, gotten better that would be able to step in and, and not miss too much of a beat. So I think those are a couple. Um, you have, you know, I think some – uh, positions that are a little bit more murky. Uh, a lot of the skill positions, we just don't know. You know, can the receivers take another step, maybe another year in the system for guys like Xavier Betts or Omar Manning, 
would help them take another step if, if a guy like Manning elects to return. Um, you know, running back is sort of the same way. They have a lot of young guys there. Um, is bringing them all back a good thing for Nebraska? I think you could make the case either way. I mean, some of those guys have had a chance to pop, and it just hasn't happened to this point. And then, you know, linebacker, I think, is the other one where you have to feel pretty good, especially at inside backer. You're talking about bringing back Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich, plus the return of Nick uh, Will Honus next year for, for a seventh college season, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but they have some depth there, too. So, you know, you have some guys, and then there's going to be uh, a lot of gaps that they're looking to fill in with the transfer portal, too. So it's going to be a really, uh, you know, even if Nebraska doesn't make a bowl, and in all likelihood they won't, it's going to be a really busy month of December as players announce where they're going, as transfer portal news pops up. It's going to be a really hectic situation. And again, that's regardless of whatever may or may not occur with uh, staff changes, too. So, um, you know, I, I think you can kind of get a sense for some positions, and then at some others it's just like, man, we're going to have to reassess this thing uh, come, you know, January 2022 and, and kind of see where it goes. Talking to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Evan, what does the backfield situation look like tomorrow? What In what numbers in your mind is this a – uh, you know, is there a specific lineup you think will run out there for a certain number of carries? You're talking about Nebraska, Nebraska's backfield. Uh huh. Um, you know, I, I would, I mean, I think Ramir Johnson is lined up to be that guy. He's been there, their number one. Um, I, to me, what's more interesting is, and Scott Frost hinted at that this week, is their approach is going to be more similar to what we saw against uh, Oklahoma, where they intentionally shorten the game uh, and, and they feel like that's going to give them the best chance. And, and I felt like back when they did that uh, against Oklahoma and then they had a, a similar game plan against Michigan State, you know, that's when Nebraska was at its best this year was when they shortened those games, when they leaned a little um, uh, long sustained drives from the offense instead of trying to find those explosive home uh, and then protecting their defense a little bit and keeping them off the field a little bit more too. So if that's the plan for Nebraska, then then I suppose that's sort of the question that comes off that is which running backs do you trust most to do that? And I think Ramir has earned that chance to be that number one. He's been, you know, not afraid to run between around the edge. I think Yant deserves another look. I mean, he only had four touches last week and he was pretty explosive when he had those. So I would say he deserves another shot. And then you just don't know maybe how some of those other ones play out, whether they feel comfortable uh, running Adrian Martinez a little bit more, if they want to go back to some of the other reserves like, like step or, um, you know, uh, Morrison, Sevian Morrison or whatever it might be. Um, but I think the, the, the bigger picture goal is, Hey, we're not looking to necessarily break a 60 yarder every time out, but can you catch the ball? Can you be solid in pass protection and help us to convert some third downs. And so we're maybe we can, if we're Nebraska, put together a, you know, 10, 12, 14 play scoring drive instead of looking for a five play sort of finish. Evan, before we uh, get your uh, prediction for this week, I did want to ask you about a story that came out on ESPN today um, about dead money. And, uh, and it says that $205 million has been doled out in dead money since 2010 among the FBS schools. And Nebraska is second on that, owing their former coaches, both Laney and Mike Riley, of course, were, were big, uh, big deals on that. Do you think that that's uh, something that's going to be heavily considered at the end of the, the season when there's a decision? Or do you think that it's just, uh, yeah, um, maybe sounds like more to us people that don't make millions of dollars and not as big of a deal for the athletic department 
Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes a difference. It's not a good look. I heard someone say next week, instead of a bye week, it's going to be buyout week because that's going to be part of the conversation. Uh, and, you know, that's that's kind of clever. But, um, you know, it's it's certainly not a good look. I think there was a time, I'm, I'm, I know there was a time early on when Nebraska hired Scott Frost that they had three head coaches on their payroll. They were still paying off Bo Pelini. They were still uh, negotiating with Mike Riley, and they had started paying Scott Frost. And obviously that's not where you want to be. Um, and Scott Frost's buyout is still north of $20 million. That has to play a factor. I think it also has to play a factor that as you, if you're going to the game this weekend, you're going to see the cranes up in North stadium. And uh, that's a reminder that there's still a, you know, $155 million facility going up currently that uh, is being funded through the university, through boosters. And so to ask for uh, another 20 million on top of that, to pay somebody not to be there, uh, on top of whatever you're going to have to pay a potential new coach, I mean, that's that's a big ask. And I'm not saying that it, it can't be done because there are people with big pockets who have strong opinions about these things one way or the other. But, you know, that's in some ways it's just sort of the cost of doing business, which is, um, you know, if you're, if you're contending for championships and you feel like the guy you have in there at the moment isn't that guy, then you eat the money and you, you make the move and you go on from there. Um so, you know, I, I, I think the money is certainly a consideration. I don't think it's something that would stop Nebraska from making a move if it felt strongly about doing that. Um, but again, there's so many other sort of nuances to the conversation that uh, I think money is just maybe part of what they're considering as opposed to maybe uh, the, the big main piece in this equation. Evan, any before we let you go, any uh, update on Thomas Fedoni and whether you think he gets work uh, this week or after the bye? Uh, there really wasn't too much of an update on that this week. I mean, he suited up last week. I imagine he'll suit up again this week. There's no reason to think he won't. What's interesting about him is that, you know, he's at a position kind of like I mentioned of strength where Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek are playing so well right now. You really don't want to take either one of those guys off the field. And so if Fedoni comes in, you know, in my opinion, it would be in a situation where it might be a lopsided game, uh, you know, late in the in the afternoon where maybe you get him some looks or maybe you line him up more as a receiver to give, uh, you know, Nebraska's offense a different look there. But, again, I think Vokalek's too good of a blocker to take off. Allen's proven to be an all-Big Ten level sort of guy this year. So I would be surprised if it was in any sort of prominent role. Again, maybe he'll appear late this week. And if not, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. He'll have that bye week to continue to recover and, and, and kind of ramp up for where he needs to be. And I would still expect him to make an appearance sometime in the last two weeks, uh, just to get that game experience and get a taste as he prepares to, you know, have more of a potentially bigger role here moving forward next year. And everyone, just time for one more question. Usually it would be the prediction, but we're going to have to ask our listeners uh, to go to to your Twitter or at OmahaWorldHerald.com or whatever to find that. More importantly, we're having a discussion about Brutus and Herbie, and if they got in a fight, somebody on the text line says that they should throw Little Red in there so that he would get popped and we'd ha- never have to deal with him again. Are you pro or anti Little Red? <laughs> uh, you know, when he came out, whatever it was, late 90s, early 2000s, he was, you know, he was novel. Like this idea that you could see a mascot bouncing around on his head was pretty cool. Like that was different than what we had seen to that point. It was fun. 
Um, I think he's kind of blended into the background lately. Maybe that's just me, but it, it seems like I just haven't seen him around as much uh, as he was a handful of years ago. I mean, you think about it, Little Red would be, he'd be in his 20s by now, and he'd probably be married and looking to have a kid or two. And um, <laughs> So I don't know. It, it's it's He's fine. Like, I don't have anything against Little Red, but maybe the, the shine or the the novelty of what he was uh, back in the day has worn off a little bit. And I don't know, maybe people are confused. Is it Herbie? Is it a little red? What's the point? Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess I'm, you can call me pro little red, I suppose. I don't have anything against him. All right. It's a split fan base. So we'll see how that, that ends maybe at the end of the season too. Maybe it'll be a decision to be made there. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha world Herald. Evan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, there he goes. We're up against it, but I do want to say this to you. Uh, stop by the Upside Bar and Lounge tomorrow night for all the UFC fights, and make sure to stop by on Monday as well from 6 to 8 p.m. for Ticket Weeknights with Nicole Griffith live on location at the Upside Bar and Lounge at 27th and Pine Lake. Monday Night Football and Taco Night, what could be better? That's this Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Upside Bar and Lounge at 27th and Pine Lake. Free parking, of course. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to pregame with the guys before the happy hour. That's next here on uh, Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.